stumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make a living Barely getting by It's all taking and no giving They just use your mind And they never give you credit It's enough to drive you Crazy and you let it Nine to five For service and devotion You would think that I Would deserve a fair promotion On the boss man's ladder But you've got dreams He'll never take away In the same boat With a lot of your friends Waiting for the day Your ship will come in And the tide's gonna turn And it's all gonna roll your way My special guest, Josie Long. Hello there, Josie. Hello, it's my pleasure to be here. How are you? Oh, sorry, Josie. Your microphone was down. It's my pleasure to be here. How are you? (laughs) I'm very good, thanks. So this is my first of two very special radio shows as artists in residence at Wonder Bar Festival. Um, Today I've got Josie and tomorrow I've got my flatmate, Oliver Braid, who's coming all the way down from Glasgow to be my guest in the studio. And just to preview that, we're going to be using the opportunity, broadcasting live across the world, I might add, not just across the UK, (laughs) but on the internet to millions of potential listeners, not necessarily actual listeners. Potentially millions of listeners. Actually, seven billion potential listeners because the seventh billion human was born yesterday apparently they're not going to want to listen they might, they, be li- <laughs> they might be listening you never know oh, <laughs> but, but to preview tomorrow's event because we'd like to get a couple of listeners oliver and i are going to be using the opportunity to try to find dates for tomorrow <laughs> evening so we're going to be broadcasting to those seven 
billion fish in the sea to try to hook two for tomorrow evening. So if you're listening, you can call in. We've got a call centre lined up, ready to take your calls. And we expect those phone lines to be buzzing. But today, (laughs) today... We are very lucky to have the professional DJ, <laughs> Josie Long, I'm in the house. DJ. Uh, I, although I'm technically a presenter because I do a show with another person and he does all the decks. He drives all the decks. Oh. Wow. So I just sit and go like, <laughs> yeah, I like that as well. <laughs> but, but I'm good at, well, I'm not good at that, but I definitely do it. <laughs> do you have to count stuff down? No, but I'm, you can see it on the screen, counting down and then you... Uh, we can't see anything. We're just like <laughs> in the dark here. We're just speaking in well, the dark. We're but in a very light little. There's a lot of like light streaming through the window. This is the culture lab. Yeah. It's very cultured. So anyway, we opened there with Dolly Parton, and there was a reason for choosing that song, other than the fact that it is bloody great. Um, but that is in keeping with the theme of tomorrow's event as part of Wonderbar Festival, which is the Workathon for the Self-Employed, which is an event that um, I'm organising to attempt to break the world record, which we set in June, for the most number of self-employed people working together in the same space at the same time over the course of a normal nine-to-five day. So you're breaking your own record? Yes. That's good. <laughs> well, I'm never running against yourself. <laughs> well, I um, what I, the way I see the project is that I've now because I tried to get in contact with Guinness, mm-hmm. you know, the world record adjudicators. Um, I've never thought before that. Why would Guinness sponsor that? Well, it's not Guinness the beer. This is what Alana thought. <laughs> Alana thought when I first mentioned Guinness that I was Guinness talking Book about. Of records. We're talking about the Guinness Book of Records. Yes, but it must be... Is it not sponsored by Guinness the Booze? No, it's... Nothing to do with it. It's nothing. It's Guinness with one N, I think. It's spelt differently. It's like the difference between the Welcome Trust and Welcome Matt that you might get. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I suppose Welcome Matts aren't going. How dare that trust? (laughs) And Welcome Matts aren't a brand. There should be. Everyone's got them. But I I also mean the the word Welcome. That's what I mean. Because whenever I write welcome now, I always spell it with two L's because of bloody welcome trust. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Very unprofessional, Ellie Harrison. I don't think I can answer this. Who is it? I don't know. It didn't say. Oh, no, it's gone. Sorry, I've got rid. Um, So, yeah, the work of fun for the self-employed, the way that I'm seeing it now is that um, my role is to, to set up this kind of, like, official adjudicating body which can adjudicate more record-breaking attempts long into the future. Mm-hmm. So these two events that are happening this year are kind of launching the adjudicating body. Because I might add that I spoke to Guinness and they said um, that they couldn't adjudicate the event. Why? <laughs> Good question, Long. <laughs> because they couldn't define what work was. They weren't. What, and they can define what long fingernails are. That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> But I guess it's true because you've got these people and they're, they're sitting in a room and they're supposedly working, but they might be... Um, on the internet. On Facebook, mm. checking their that's, Spotify, that's doing radio stations. Yeah, um, it's true. What did people do when you did it down in London? What was it like? Like, who did you have and how did it go? Well, it was part of an art festival. Like, By the way, I'm eating a pear and I like to think that it gives uh, texture to the sounds that you're hearing. 
It definitely does. I like the pear sound. I just received a text message, actually, and it was a bloody answer phone message. Oh, I hate that. Somebody oh, a text... Oh. <laughs> anyway, sorry. What were you saying? I was saying that we did it as part of an art festival called Two Degrees, which was kind of similar in a way to the context that it's being um, shown... Well, done as, in part as Wonderbar Festival. But... Um, so we there was we were tapping into quite a lot of cultural workers, so mm-hmm. artists and like web designers and musicians and all sorts of people like that, because those are the networks that we had through the art festival. But the whole idea was that it was open to all sorts of self-employed people across all different um, areas of work. It's like travelling salesmen. Exactly, travelling salesmen. The only the only stipulation, like in the official rules, because we have official rules, because we're trying to become an official adjudicating body, um, is that you have to work completely on your own. Like you have to be a completely isolated worker, a lone worker. And we've got these T-shirts that say "lone worker" on them. Have you seen them? They're like based no. on the the Lone Ranger logo sounds like my kind of thing i'm definitely a lone worker i saw a really lovely thing when i was on the teacher strike so we went on the march um me and some friends to sort of show solidarity with the teacher strike and um a guy had a um had made himself a banner that said cultural workers in solidarity with the unions precarious workers brigade yeah no that's the precarious workers brigade (laughs) (laughs) oh oh are you not familiar with the work of the precarious yeah i know them down in london that was formed like about a year ago who was it tell me about them they're really 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 exciting and they came from this group called the carrot workers who were um a group of well brought together by being like interns working within the cultural industry so people who were working for free and totally being exploited so the carrot workers the idea of the carrot was that it's this thing that's held up as yeah, a kind yeah. of like reward for working for free um yeah like oh you'll be working in the and obviously you're not you're not um unionized at all as an intern but worse still you're kind of working like, there's a lot of desperation involved with being an intern because you think that you're working towards this carrot, so you've got to jump through as many hoops as possible. Mm. And actually, it's just exploit you as much. You're as really possible. exploited. So they were kind of like a, a kind of a mini sort of union or a collective of people who felt that they were being exploited in different um, areas of like um, culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they wanted to broaden that out to... Um, taking people working in education people working throughout culture who were all kind of precarious workers because the whole um like way in which work the world of work is going is that people don't get tenured posts so much you know everything's on short-term contracts like all of that stuff and it leads to this whole like area of precarity isolation as well And, and you know if you're on your own and you know you've got to get another job in six months. You're not going to be as inclined to be in solidarity with somebody else who's in solidarity with somebody else who's in pain. I, I keep. Um, I, I saw. I went to the Progressive Students Conference at UCL. It was like quite small. It was really lovely. And there's a guy there speaking from one of the unions who was like, "This government is g- going to start attacking workers' rights, and it's going to go through." You know, first it's going to be like, health and safety, that's just red tape. Why shouldn't you be able to die in the workplace? Come on, guys. <laughs> and, then, and then next it's going to be equality along the lines of like, how dare this PC brigade? You know, women, maybe once you've had a kid you should stop working, right? <laughs> that kind of thing. And then the third thing they're going to do is 
is just overall workers' rights. And you can see that they, you know, they're pretending that the unions are this thing that is kind of anti the populace and anti rights, when in actual fact they're the thing, you know, joining together. Oh, I'm so exactly. Pleased. But it's that's the only thing that gives you rights. Yeah. It's, it's ever meant that people have got rights has been clubbing together because the, you know, you outnumber them in terms of people. Yeah. You'll never outnumber them in terms of money and power. Exactly. But when you get together, you can grab a little bit back. Yeah. And look after it. Exactly. Well, that's the idea of the Workathon for the Self-Employed. Like, it's a bit of fun, and it's only one day, but the idea of doing, like, a record-breaking attempt and getting all those people into the same space at the same time, yeah. meeting each other, working in the same environment, is that it will inspire people to continue to work together. And this is kind of idea that a union for the self-employed or the uni a union for precarious workers is actually what's needed, because... Mm. The way, yeah, the way I kind of see um, self-employment, to link it back to like what we were talking about yesterday with the brief history of privatisation, is like the privatisation of work. Mm -hmm. Like the more that they break us up and um, make us work in isolation, and um, the more responsibilities that you kind of have to take on mm -hmm. for yourself in terms oh. of providing your pension, providing you don't get sick no pay. Like, yeah, 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 of course. Like I think about that. I think like, well, if I couldn't work for one month out of illness, how would I survive? If I couldn't work for a year out of illness, how would I survive? And it, the answer is, um, hopefully there'll still be benefits. <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, hopefully and there'll still be benefits. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's all well and good to be like, well, you should get a proper job then, but people do want to have comedians and artists, don't they? They want films and plays and books. You know, it's not pointless to have art and that can't all be done by people who've got an office job and go, oh, I've written a book as well, and I'll get no money from it, but I hope everyone will have a book, you know. You, know. you need some people who like that and want to spend their lives doing that. It's good. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Nice to have culture, isn't it? I think so. Good. I think so. So maybe that links us into your... Because um, I wanted to yeah, ask you... I wanted to ask you more about the Arts Emergency Service, and this can, like, um, become more of an extended discussion because I'm interested to know like okay so you launched is it a charity do you call it a charity it or a, a campaign charity. it's a registered, registered as a charity but registered. can you register as a charity not for profit. yeah we can we're in the process of doing that basically about two years ago I was thinking about the Brown Report before it I can't remember that because there was sort of there was chat about raising tuition fees while Labour was still in power and it was sort of you could feel it bubbling. And I was, I, I'm furious about my student debt, partly because, you know... Still um, paying it. Well, I'm <laughs> not paying it, because I don't earn enough to pay it. But um, partly I'm annoyed because um, uh, of the injustice of it, the fact that all my posh friends don't have uni debts than I do, and that that in itself means the rich start off in a better position than their counterparts. Um, partly because it's such a stupid way of administrating it, where a loans company, you know, charges interest and takes profit off that, uh, and go, well, you're paying for your education, you know, and actually it's like, well, it would be much more efficient if we had a model where the rich paid more uh, fair taxes and we administrated it and it was done nationally, it would be better, um, because at the moment what happens is the government fronts the cost of the loans up and then you pay them back, but you never pay them back. So the government still pays for it, but um, 
in a manner that's completely inefficient and unhelpful yeah. and is worse and with more of a shortfall between pardon me between the costs and what's actually it's really inefficient and a bad system right it's not a good system um and also because on principle for everyone to have equal opportunities when it comes to higher education you can't have uh, a system where you get so prohibitively into debt that anyone whose parents don't have any money uh, anyone who doesn't come from a place where there is much employment, which is most parts of the UK apart from the South East, yeah. you know, you're going to have this sense that it's not worth it and that it's too much and that you're crippling yourself. And not everyone is financially successful, but that doesn't mean they don't deserve to have uh, an intellectual education and they don't deserve to learn to critically think and appraise and read that is important for everyone yeah. everyone has an intellect and everyone should have their intellect nurtured and developed and so um like you can't say well you know you'll get a good job at the end of uni because you'll pay it back because actually you might you know you might not and not every, considering the fact that the uh the top 10 percent of people in this country earn over 40 grand a year you won't actually be paying that back very quickly then will yeah. you Unless you're in the top 10%. But yeah. if you're looking at maybe wanting, as I would, at least 50% of people to go to university, right? And I know there's the argument of like, oh, well, they're not academic. But I think, fuck that. Sorry, forget that argument. Because <laughs> it's not because it's never the case that at Eton or Harrow or Rugby, they're going, well, two-thirds of you aren't academic, leave at 15 and get an a- apprenticeship, yeah, right? They they're all going through. to 15. Yeah. And the fact is like, yes. Okay, I can see there are some people for whom university might not have as much benefit as other people. But on the whole, I would say everyone could do with that three years personal development time. Everyone could do with that three years intellectual development time. And everyone could do with learning to read and appraise and find out what they love intellectually. Like, I just think it's good that everyone would have time to develop their intellect. And I don't believe that. Um, not everyone's academics like when they go well some people can't do maths and then then they find out that actually everyone can do maths because it's just a language you have to learn and you just have to be taught it right and I feel the same with this and because some people aren't academic no no some people don't like school uh, but that's probably because their school's not very good or yeah. they haven't been taught in the right way Yeah. and some people struggle with academic things but that doesn't mean they're bad or they shouldn't do it it just means that those things are difficult and challenging and that's hard and important so what at what point did you decide then um because obviously well, you're, you're a comedian hey, you're, you're a comedian sorry in case you hadn't realized you wouldn't have realized from that <laughs> makes a, makes I, a living cracking jokes what i thought but, was but i what? looked at stephen fry and i thought <laughs> the only way that i'm gonna get that kind of like cachet cultural cachet <laughs> is if i smarten the fuck up right so i just like read all this shit like bullet points and then I just say it out loud. Oh no, you can't hear me. This is a nightmare. Closer. <laughs> um, Read all this bullet my, my question to you, Josie Lung, is because uh, this relates to me and my, me starting the Bring Back British Rail campaign. Because obviously yeah. I've come from an art background. I went through art education, mm. and it was like I'm going to become an artist because that's what you do after you spent. Uh, six years in higher education training to be an artist um, but then at, at a certain point I got so pissed off with the way that the world well, the, the, the fucked world. up things yeah. that I saw in the world that I just thought actually art isn't enough mm. art isn't going to um, sort of change you know it's not going to affect change as directly and as immediately than a real live political campaign yeah well I, I, yeah I totally agree and I also think 
For me, it was like a guilt thing. I just felt like my life, I, I loved what I do. I love what I do, but I felt like I, uh, I don't know, I wasn't doing anything good in the world explicitly. I've, and that sounds, you know, I, the problem with me is because, like, lots of people think I'm awful. When I say things like that, I can hear people going, well, yeah, your stuff's so rubbish, you can't do any good in the world. Right, but, um, yeah, I didn't feel like... I basically felt like a yuppie. I moved to this place in Hackney uh, full of all these people who dressed like they were really left-wing, but actually the most left-wing thing they did was by the Observer. And, <laughs> and actually it's like... They probably would have harboured quite right-wing views, and but it was sort of like trendy to seem really lefty and like you know the whole like I'm buying eco things, you know. And <laughs> I felt, you know, I felt this real disdain for these people who I saw as like yuppies, basically. And then I thought, well, what's the difference between them and me? What am I doing that's not yeah. yuppie? Nothing. So how dare I, you know? And actually, that was a little phase I went through, and you know, then I found in Hackney there's so many people who are really active, and it is really great. And you know, I wanted to do something, and and also because. I, I, like I was saying before, I got hijacked onto my little um, propaganda thing. Propaganda's I, um, fine on this show. Good. We should rename it the Propaganda Show. Oh, actually, lunchtime propaganda. Perfect. <laughs> but um, I, I just started thinking more and more about the injustice of tuition fees and how, um, you know, they don't consider people from the bottom, and everything has to consider the bottom. <laughs> yeah. hot, hot, right? No, but everything has to consider the people who are most worse off. Like there's that Eugene Debs, oh my God, there's that Eugene Debs quote that Kurt Vonnegut uses about how as long as there is a lower class, I'm of it. And it's like, you don't, you should never focus your opinions or your decisions from the top because then you're helping the bosses and the bosses historically aren't that keen on everyone else, right? You should always think about it from the bottom up. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, but what about people who've got no money? Okay, yeah, but what about people who've got no family, no money, no support? What are they going to do? Because they're the people that need help and they're the people that need support. <coughs> Anyhow, um, so I decided that I wanted to pay some people to go through uni. I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pay people to go through uni. And I was chatting to my friend Neil, who runs the charity with me now and who's just such a constant inspiration. Like, he's just so bright and so hardworking. And um, we were like, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. And then we just sort of thought about it more and more. And, um, the idea of Arts Emergency came about and we were like, we'll run a charity, we'll mentor people, we'll try and like... The aim, it's like a social justice, not a social mobility organisation. So yeah. what we want is for the playing field to be levelled and for everyone to have access to the best, right? We don't want it to be like, a few people have got rich, hooray! You used to be working class, now you're upper middle class. We don't <laughs> want that. We want the, the whole thing redefined so that there's less of a gap between the bottom and the top and so that there's less of this air of impenetrability of the top from, from the bottom. And, um, yeah, it's good. I love it. And it's also about defending art because, the, you know, the government has stealth-privatised the teaching of arts yeah. and humanities. It really often slags off like arts as if it's like <laughs> and it's this it's that, that thing of like okay if you don't want to teach artists how to be artists then don't have any tv or books or films or plays or clothes or anything like that because actually <laughs> art permeates everything you know oh if you don't want any art well next time you've got a poster that needs doing good luck with the design on that you know <laughs> next time you've got a product that needs something good luck with the design on that good luck with you know it, Actually, it, it, you know, it's a massive. Good luck with bloody selling stuff and yeah. advertising oh, yeah. for all those sellout idiots <laughs> who went into creative. Um, but 
it's exactly that. Like, and actually, from a money point of view, art in this country is a big export and a big thing, and it's one of the few things we've got. And it's yeah. one of the few things that we can have all around the country, you know. Yeah. So it does seem incredibly counterproductive. Yeah. Well, I think it, like, um, relates into what Alana, Alana is saying here very quietly in the studio because she's so far away from the microphone, the director of Wonder Bar Festival. What she was saying um, yesterday in the five o'clock show about, well, about the way that Wonder Bar's run as a kind of alternative way of running a cultural organisation. Mm. What I love about Wonder Bar is that it doesn't actually mention that um, it's an art festival, so it doesn't like put art on a pedestal and say it's this um, special thing that we have to sort of admire from afar, but that it's at the same time saying that art is so important. Mm. It's integral. And it's integral, and that it should be embedded in all like well, of levels of society. And that to me is a lot more about... like. Th that links in with like socialism for me because like yeah. like ex um, somebody was talking about Norway. My friend was talking about going to Norway and there there being loads of sort of public play stuff for kids and there being loads of pre thought out public art that was sort of interactive and playful and joyful and like it's um I think he said that you can the difference between like Tories and people who are lefties at heart is that lefties think that adult adventure playgrounds would be a really good idea and Tories think don't be ridiculous live in the real world that's a nightmare <laughs> and that's what it comes down to is that like there are people who want more than you know to focus on obtaining money and exactly. thrift etc do you know uh, can I just make one point before yeah, we yeah, no. um, because I was thinking with my charity, our ultimate aim is to reinstate free tertiary education, for it to be rolled out even further than it was, and um, uh, just mash the toys. No, uh, uh, that's not even true. Uh, uh, well, okay, um, that's my personal opinion. It's nothing to do with the charity. Um, <laughs> but um, our aim is to sort of reinstate free education to smash tuition fees and to have grants, right? And a lot of the time on the internet, when you meet people, there are people who love to see problems before they do anything. And people will be like, well, why don't you actually campaign for what you actually, you know, something realistic. So, you know, maybe you should campaign for more scholarships. It's like, no, we want what we want. Yeah. We don't want not what we want. And it's exactly that. I think about like William Wilberforce. It's not, if he'd have just gone, okay, can we have an amendment so that the children of slaves are actually only half slaves or something, right? He probably would have got that within two years, but that's all he would have got, you know? And like, it's just, I, I think about you with your campaign because your campaign is audacious and it's a big deal. And it is what everyone really wants, right? Yeah. Of bring back British Rail, right? People want it renationalised. People like the idea of that happening, right? People see that the private companies have made a hash of it time and time again. The, the fare prices have gone crazy. It's completely confusing trying to buy a ticket. You know, I don't know anyone, even stand-up comedians, who always manages because we travel all the time. Is what I mean. <laughs> but I don't. What I mean by that. But I don't know anyone who always manages to get a cheap ticket. Yeah. Even people who know, you know, four months in advance when they're going, yeah. because it's so confusing and so obfuscating. And the fact is, like. That's they bully you on the train. Yes, they bully you. They're, yes. They're out have the audacity to ask. Like, what, yes. say, what's your quote? Your situationist quote. Oh, be realistic. Uh, demand, no. the, mm, demand the impossible. But it's actually ask for the impossible because demand means, um, means to ask for. Oh, yeah. But, um, 
Should we play yes. a song? Yes, because, do you know what as well? Yeah. The reason that the people in power are in power is because they were brought up with the swagger of the super wealthy to believe that they could do anything and would do everything, right? So we just have to incorporate that for ourselves, but use it for good and know that our motives are social justice and that kind of thing. Exactly. Anyway, this is um, a song by a protest singer who I love, who is the real deal, who I was recently on tour with. Uh, which I can tell you about later. You've got to press the button. Sorry, you were pressing the button. Last time. It's never too late to recapture the benefits of Section 28 and it's never too wild to slash benefits for single mums. The only victim is the child and oh, who's going to be my Martin Luther King? And I'll say, who's going to be my Harvey Milk? And on the steps of Parliament they're demonstrating but what's the use when they're all cut from the same eaten silk I'll say farewell farewell to welfare and we've got a recession to be Let's put more money into the monarchy And a millionaire in Downing Street And someone's got to foot the bill Let's start with the disabled and the mentally ill And if I keep my receipts Can I claim back the mistakes And the lives ruined by this government or in another 18 years of budget cuts and tears Will the people pay for those just like we pay your rent And say farewell, farewell to welfare And give me change, give me equality Give me a minister for women that can't represent me Give me a decent, honest Nick who's on the level Until the first glimpse of power make a deal with the devil And you tell me that this is democracy And you tell me that it ain't no old boys club And as the thousands march on Westminster And look how quickly their demands are snubbed And you ask me Where is the youth vote? Well they didn't let me in So you'll find me in the pub Raising a toast To the ghost Of welfare And I used to dream Of a Britain where I'd be proud to bring up kids These days I'd settle for a Britain Where I'd be allowed to bring up kids And Mrs May, if I may be so bold as to say That your archaic view of family holds no relevance today And if you think that honest people really should be turned away from IBF and B&Bs Just 
because they're gay I suggest you stop requesting that we continue to pay our taxes to a party that's held us back all the way so I'll take my business and my produce and my income tax elsewhere and say farewell farewell to welfare I'll say farewell farewell to welfare they'll say to hell to hell with welfare and I'll say farewell farewell I'll say farewell farewell I'll say farewell farewell to welfare Wow good song isn't it yeah she's the real deal ladies and gentlemen you have to go and see her live because her recordings on her website she's grace like 24 petrie. grace petrie petrie she's like 24 25 she did most of those recordings when she was sort of like 21 22 and if you see her now like oh my word like seeing her live is just astonishing she's got she's the real deal i'm gonna cough now <coughs> she's the real deal and she was on the art tour with you yes and the art tour was the alternative reality tour and we've got a website which is Pardon me, it's almost like you shouldn't eat your breakfast while you're on the radio. (laughs) Um, AlternativeRealityTour.com And we've got one more entry we're going to put up. And we've made a little film about it. Basically, there were six of us in a van with a few special guests for most days. We went around the country to places that people normally slag off. The sort of places where you go, we're going here, and they go, Why are you going there? And then um, the aim was to sort of <laughs> go where we least expected and preach socialism to children in car parks. But also it, was like to, also it was like have fun, have fun, like just do a silly fun thing. And it was to kind of show that art is important and exciting and to reclaim public space and to sort of do something in the moment that yeah. people would remember and feel empowered by. And you came back in time to, to go to the NHS... Um, yeah, we demo on Westminster Bridge, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we were going to do a gig up in uh, Middlesbrough, actually, yeah. but we cancelled it to do the Why block the bridge. You see, <laughs> you see this? <laughs> Very good. We, but, um, we did it for ten days, and by the end, I was just in love with everyone on the tour. We loved it so much; it was such a good time. And we're going to keep going. We're doing dates, um, one day each month through the winter, and then in March and April, we're going to do a long weekend both times. And then in May, June, July, we're going to try and do more and more. And in August, most days in the afternoon before our Edinburgh shows, we're going to go to places sort of near Edinburgh that people wow. slag off. And we're going to get our stuff nicked and we're going to get beaten up and we're going to have a good time. Wow. How exciting. It is. It, it's genuinely the most exciting thing I've ever done. And also, we've not had any trouble with it because we're on the side of truth and justice. And if there is a God, he's beaming lights down on us or she... <laughs> There is no God. But if there was, they would really, really be, they'd be bang up for what we're doing. Yeah, it's kind of like a sort of alternative organising of culture, isn't it? A bit like um, what's going on throughout Wonderbar and what's happening with the school, which is the new, the the alternative school that's been set up alongside the Festival HQ that we went along to yesterday, and which is running for four weeks, isn't it, Alana? No, another four days. Another, but has been running for four weeks. Yeah, well, they've been out of school planning it. And they, the kids have been let out of school for a week before half term and then all of this week. So they've had three whole weeks out of school and then they get to go back and 
how a teacher's house school should be run. Yeah, and the classes on the curriculum, like this class is to do with like building utopia. What's, what's, what's there's utopian cheerleading. Utopian cheerleading. But you've got to go and see the schedule. Okay. And so it looks so exciting. What's good about that is those kids will never forget that, and it, it's so good to give people just that little bit of breathing space from the norm to be like, actually, if you can come up with an idea, that's half the battle and then just get on with it as quickly as possible mm-hmm. yeah. and you'll do it so do you think like with the outdoor like in terms of like bringing the politics and the comedy together is <laughs> can you use your um josie long fame to attract it's not really that big you know <laughs> you've what got you forty three thousand twitter followers that it's true but a lot of them are robots a lot of yeah, robots, robots. a lot of people trying to promote a new pub at <laughs> night you know but do you think that you can use that to um well bring in the kids and then to, <laughs> to corrupt warp their small and impressionable minds is that the idea? Yeah, or to, a little get, bit. To, to bring them to the good side? Yeah, uh, but it's, you know, it's not partisan in that way. It's, no. it's literally just trying to be optimistic, trying to point out the truth of what is happening to people so at the very least they can like make up their own mind. And, you know, just sort of give people a bit of fun and a bit of spark and like excitement. Now, what do you... What do you do with your Bring Back British Rail? Why did you do that? <laughs> um, well, I've got my T-shirt on today. And where's your T-shirt, Josie Long? It's in my house. You should be it's wearing your Bring Back British Rail T-shirt every time you travel on I the got, train. I got given a really beautiful T-shirt by Ellie Harrison. She posted it to me, but I'd just moved house. And um, it got... It was in a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Lost in the Chinese restaurant. But anyway, I that's a different story. That's what happened. I left that's it in the Chinese restaurant and then I rang them and sent them a check. To a post check it. to post it. And then if they did post it, it didn't get to me. Or it bounced back and I didn't post it again. Wow, that's because they really check? upset me. The Royal Mail's going down. <laughs> I did cash a check down, for £2.38 or something. Pan, isn't it? Well, it's funny with the Royal Mail because um, I guess this links back to what we were talking about last night. Because last night was the launch of my exhibition Market Forces. Yeah, which is open till... The 17th of December, 2011. Very easy to go down. And it's well well worth going down because it really makes you think about what what your assumptions are in terms of society. Like you go, well, of course that's not national. Why would that be? Oh, that used to be national. Oh, what does that mean? Does that mean it should be or could be again? And like makes you think, what are the building blocks of society and why are they run and administrated in the way they are? And could that change and should that change? Yeah. So like a loosely categorized, well, things, services and industries, public services and industries, which I I identified six key ones. Um, What about education? Railways. Well, I didn't put education. I had to sort of simplify the installation to a certain extent so that it could be reenacted via the medium of massage chairs. You should do something about education, like some sort of big model. Well, maybe I do. But you've got education covered. I've got railways covered. Oh my god, especially not schools. Aren't you fixing the whole of uh, arts education for the whole of England? Not school. Well, I'm trying. Doing your best. Well, I'm trying to renationalise the railways. That's what I'm trying to do. So we just need um, someone to focus on telecoms. <laughs> <laughs> we just need some creative person out <laughs> to invest a lot of time and energy into renationalising all of these things that have been whittled off. But like when you talk about the the the, the t-shirt getting lost 
in the Chinese in the restaurant yeah, yeah. Via, via the post. Like that really makes me think at how like Royal Mail, which they're trying to privatise at the moment yeah. and will probably go through in the next couple of years. If I just think back to the last five years, the way that the service has been whittled away, like whittled and whittled and whittled away. It used to be like the postman will come seven o'clock in the morning, the letters would be on the mat. Like, and the, in my local post box, there'd be three collections, and every day they change the little metal thing, so it'd be like 9.30, 12.30, 6 p.m., three collections. Now it's just sat, sun, mun, and you're lucky, you'll go, sorry, there's no Sunday, but if you go on a Monday, it'll probably still say Saturday, because there's not even bothered to change it. Has anybody else noticed this? I've noticed, I've noticed as well that there's lots of... Nobody's noticed. There are loads of private postal companies that operate in this country. But it's the Royal, it's the Royal Mail as well has been trying to be run as a business rather than a service. Yeah. Like, so the more that they try to maximise profit, the more they're whittling away See, this the is way what people, the actual service that's yeah. being provided. This is what people don't think about is exactly that. It's like, is it run as a business or a service? Yeah. And why is it so audacious to think of things as services instead of businesses? And why is it out of order for me to say, I don't want this to make a profit, I want it as a public service that we all pay for and subscribe to? Like, exactly. It shouldn't be about efficiency. <laughs> but it shouldn't be about financial efficiency. It should be about, you know, it shouldn't be about maximising profit, it should be about maximising service. And it's insane that they've been able to pull this number that they're trying to tell everyone the opposite. Yeah, you know? I mean, and that's why I focus on the railways. Like, I focused on, because I, be I, be I believe I'm anti-privatisation like, um, for all of those reasons, but focus on the railways for lo lots of different reasons, but also because I have a passion for public transport. But specifically because <coughs> public transport is not just how we travel around the country, but it also kind of symbolises so much more in that if people travel together, then they spend time together, and that then, then, then it, it, it can forge a it's sense a of community. And, and yeah, like a leveller, and that That's everybody why I hate in different parts of society are on the same yeah. train. That's why first class really hurts me. Like the fact that there are three first class carriages that are always empty yeah and then five well, standard class it's interesting you should mention first class because one of the things that i'm doing with the campaign is that i've joined together with um there's a coalition for fair fares which we're forming at the moment and it's a campaign for better transport and people from rmt people from tssa the two big transport mm. unions and climate rush who are trying to um, organize a number of actions in january for when the fares go up one of them is called First Class Fridays. <coughs> well, that's the working title at the moment. And the idea is that we're resigned to the fact that the government have already um, agreed to put the fares up as of the 3rd of January. We're resigned to that. We're paying <coughs> a hell of a lot more. So let's travel with the first class carriage because we're not actually getting any more. Yeah. So it's kind of like we're promoting this sort of hopefully a mass action where we can make it seem like it's a semi-legit thing that... Um, that we can now start using the first class carriages because the the fares are going up yeah. so much. Well, in London, it's it's like it's very troubling that Boris Johnson came in on this platform of like I'm not going to raise fares, and then has consistently raised fares over yeah. and over and over again for his whole term as mayor. Yeah. You know, and the fact that even though people will be complaining about that. Even though people who voted for him and would consider themselves Tories would be complaining about that, he'll, people will still vote for him next time. I know.
I know. And like the, this thing, like the whole thing that he is harping on about as being a great thing. My mum's really annoyed about this because she lives in Ealing. Yeah. So she, she gets all the Boris news. But the, the thing that he's really going on as is one of his major <laughs> achievements is getting rid of bendy buses. But like that's just a whole load of buses that somebody else has paid for to, to, to run on London streets that he's just bloody got rid of. Yeah. And they're massive expensive vehicles yeah, yeah, yeah. that are transporting people around the city. And that's his claim to fame is the fact that he's got rid of them. Like, and brought back the double-decker for no good reason. Like, well, the thing is, there are some reasons... Oh, you don't like a bendy bus? Are no, no, I love a bendy bus. Are you going to vote for Boris then? No, you rid of the bendy buses? I love... <laughs> I hate that man. I love a bendy bus, right, because... Partly because, from a, in proletariat terms, you know, if you're in the poorest uh, section of society, you can't afford the bus. Like, I couldn't for two years when I was temping, and I couldn't afford anything. And sometimes you would get the free bus. The bendy bus is free. You know, oh, because you don't have to pay for it, just get yes. in the back. Yes, it's free, it's free at point of use. Uh, that's very important. Uh, no, but I would genuinely say, actually, it's quite helpful. You can see how if you're like desperate NHS, yeah. and you need to get to work and you have no money, you can get on a free bus. Secondly, I would say what was good about the bendy bus was you could stand in the middle and as it turned, it felt cool. Yeah. But I mean, as a, as a cyclist, they were quite terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And um, as a road user, they blocked them up. Yeah. But I, it was a pointless, stupid waste of time. I yeah, hate the fact that he's like Boris Bikes yeah. when it was Ken's idea. Yeah, it's bullshit. And getting sponsorship from Barclays who bailed out to the, the thing, tune of The thing millions. about um, public transport, my dream for public transport is public transport would be free. Like for me, public transport like um, is, wow. is, a, is, is a symbol. It's, it should be at the core of any like fair and just society that's also environmentally sustainable. No. Because people can't travel in their little car bubbles is there a model for that anywhere is there anywhere in scandinavia that does it (laughs) well probably in scandinavia that's what i always think of things like that but i just think that i think if you could do something like if you could revolutionize the whole of the uk by saying you could get on any train or any bus at any time and travel anywhere for free with fellow citizens of the uk (laughs) alongside you i think that would radically transform society oh it would Nobody would drive anymore. No, of course they wouldn't. And also, I mean, like, it comes down to how you view society and whether or not you respect everyone in it. Because, firstly, if train travel up and down the country were made free, oh my word, what, what an... Ex- like, just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. allow yourself to entertain that idea, right? It's I am entertaining that, it. I've been entertaining it for years. But it's yeah. not something that I've necessarily ever thought about, right? But if it was, yeah. firstly, I love travelling up and down the country. The amount of kind of... The amount that people would learn from visiting... All the different towns. That's what I love about yeah. being a stand-up is I know so much about the UK and I've been all around it. Because bloody southerners never come up here, no, of course do they? they don't. Of course they don't. But, and you can understand why, because it's pricey, right? But also, then you'd be like, well, any old riffraff would be on the train. And that is where you go, okay, so why are you saying that there is a riffraff element in this country? Yeah. And if there really is, why do you not wish to change that for the positive as opposed to telling people off? Like, that was the whole thing with the way they reacted to the riots in this kind of like, there's yeah. them and there's us. And it's like, no, we're all us. And, th- and that's why with the um, art tour thing, why we want to go to places that people think are rough and disgusting, because I don't want that to be my life. I don't want to be afraid of certain parts of the country. I don't want to be looking at certain estates as if like, there i'm, I'm going to get hurt there because yeah. people live there and if you do get hurt there then everyone's got a responsibility to make that change because that's yeah. not on right yeah and, and, and also like um 
it's not um it's like seeing broken windows and you, you think oh uh, well this is a terrible area so you only got to think if you live in an area that has a lot of broken glasses then you got to think well why why are people yeah and people can't afford to get them mended as well yeah, and yeah. that's why yeah that's what i don't like about this kind of it, you know again it's the perspective it's choosing to align yourself with the richest even though you are yeah. not the richest yeah yeah and, and um, looking down yeah. Than, yeah and not really thinking like this is something that we could all change for the better and everyone could be happier and thinking that like um so let's entertain that idea because i mean this is what's so amazing when i did the research for the a brief history of privatization and also for this other installation that mm-hmm. i did looking at public spending austerity and anarchy which was specifically looking at like rates of public spending and instances of Whoa. rioting but the thing that i was gonna gonna say is if you look at post-war um, public spending it's astronomical and you'd think that that is because of all w- what the atley government did in nationalizing all of these services that is an absolute minuscule fraction that costs nothing compared to defense Compared to defence after the Second World War that was completely through the room, that's where all the money was going. The nationalisation of the coal, um, the railways, creating the health service, the electricity board, everything that's nationalised in those post-war years was a drop in the ocean in terms of cost. Wow. So we could have free public transport. we just <coughs> got to ask for Well, it. look at the university spending. That's 0.7% of GDP. Oh, yeah, what a bankrupting thing that is. 0.7%, yeah. you know? Yeah, I know. It's completely, completely crazy. So you're right, you need audacious and arrogant people in the form of comedians and artists to demand the impossible. Yeah, because I say, well, I'm from a background where we've just taken a a very rollercoaster ride through uh, being relatively middle class, then being jobless, then being this, then being that, then being this, and, and then getting to go to Oxford University. And yet I... And I do exactly what I love for a living. And I do that because when I was 18, I didn't want to settle for anything less. Because I, you know, I felt like I wanted to go to Oxford because it was the best place and I wanted to go to the best place. And I... Because um, Margaret Thatcher taught you no. to. <laughs> well, well... The aspirational. The aspirational. But also, well, she she's ruined it now because I've forgotten how to earn money or whatever. But um, also, I wanted to do stand-up because that is what I love and that is what I'm interested in. And I didn't want to do anything else. And the idea of doing something else was onerous and felt beneath me. And yeah. I don't think that's because I'm special. I think that's because yeah. that's what everyone should do. Everyone should, you know, try and be passionate about what they do and find something that they love. And... Um, I don't know what I'm preaching, but I think the thing is like, um, the thing is, right, um, <laughs> but basically like I've only got where I have today by defying people who've told me that I couldn't do it. Like my, even my yeah. mum is like, you need a backup plan. You need a backup. I'm like, no, I don't. No, not now. But like, you can I, come and be on my radio show. It's a good backup it plan. Through but like, six music. <laughs> but like she like, um, you know, she's all like, you need a backup. And, and I was like, I don't want to waste my time on a backup plan. I want to do this. Yeah. I've only got one life. And um, so my opinion is, well, all the things that I've done that I love, like the van tour, you know, and making a little fanzine, like running gigs, very small scale things, but they're things that make me happy truly, right? But, you know, every time I've done them, there'll be someone going, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. You know? <laughs> and you have to go, well, I'm going to do it, so deal with it. And it's, this is just on a larger scale, you yeah, know? Exactly, exactly. 
Right, so we've got like a couple more minutes. We're going to play out with another Grace Petrie yep. song. This is her first hit but on the YouTube. Not quite, because we've got a few more, bit more promoing to do. Ah, of course. Now, Wonderbar what Festival. are you up to with the desk chair disco, <laughs> oh, Ellie? Oh, well, it's nice that you should mention sorry, the desk so much, chair disco. No, this is ranting, Ella. This is what <laughs> it's for. We didn't plan it. We just planned that we would rant. Um, but so... Wonderbar Festival is going on until this Sunday, the 6th of November. I'm artist in residence. I'm doing one more show tomorrow, as I mentioned, which is going to be very exciting with my flatmate, Oliver Braid. Tomorrow's the work of fun for the self-employed. and no, if you're Thursday. Sorry, Thursday. Thanks, Alana. Thursday, the 3rd of November, is the work of fun for the self-employed. I want to say, if you're in Newcastle and you're going to be working on your laptop in isolation on Thursday, do not... Come down and work with us all, and um, and there's pat lunches. For, yeah, there's pat lunches and drinks and former a, a, a new After community work of, of lone workers. And then on Friday, the idea is another sort of uh, a take on the world of work um, by liberating desk chairs, or I see it as a way of like commandeering these kind of symbols of office life mm. and these these things from the world of work which is and a very situation yeah. this thing is reimagine the things around you look at these things that you take for granted on a daily basis and that i mean that is like very core level creativity exactly oh stuff. it's very ba- it's a very i mean fundamental <laughs> not simple fundamental simple. fundamental but we're taking the desk chairs out onto the street we're parading through the street to the empty office unit um which incidentally probably can't be let because of the <laughs> I'm not oh shit. I shouldn't probably say asbestos. this. But no, no, not asbestos because <laughs> it's a new build. build. It's a new yeah. build, so probably can't find tenants because of mm. the economic climate. Because of the closure of the regional development agencies. It's, it's, it's evil private land. They're not evil private landlords. They're giving us the building for free. And we love them, but we're having a disco in there, like a roller disco, but on, but the on desk, desk chairs. chairs. Amazing. And it's going to be Friday evening. At and you've sort of taken a lot of inspiration from roller derby. Roller the derby. Roller derby the roller derby girls and we're working with the new castle roller girls um who will be special guests on the evening what are they going to be doing well it's a top secret actually we're keeping it top secret roller derby girls are hard they are very cool yeah i will never do it because (laughs) i don't like the idea of it (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna do it i i am gonna do it okay so that is this song is called Emily Davison Blues and it's beautiful and it's it's about how she felt uh, of when people kind of pressed the triangle. Uh, how we're she starting. Felt after the student demonstration. Ellie Harrison, it's been my absolute pleasure to get to work with you and to get to do this radio show. And thank you so much for coming my all pleasure. the way from down south. I love to travel. Train. I love to travel. I love a jolly. <laughs> oh jolly. I hope you Stop got an advance. I did not, it cost I was a fool. Well I did, but it was still bloody pricey because of the thing <laughs> privatisation. Well, obviously, East Coast has been renationalised, but nobody talks about that. I there we go. Shall we play the song or shall we ramble? Let's play the song. Okay. Bye-bye. We've come to burn down the halls of history. We've come to set fire to this land and demand accountability. So we over the mountains we marched over the Thames When you said you couldn't hear us we sang louder and then When all the king's horses and all the king's
dreams men couldn't put this country back together again when no one's listening only violence makes the news i've got the emily davison This land let the sound of revolution ring We've come to take back what's ours We've come to make the powers justify The setting of our future by a man who stole our votes with a lie So we marched over the mountains We marched over the Thames When you said you couldn't hear us, we sang louder and then When all the king's horses and all the king's men Couldn't put this country back together again When no one's listening, only violence makes the news I've got the Emily Davison Blue some wonder of our jingles <laughs> <laughs> this is not part of the official broadcast <laughs> but maybe a remix don't listen don't I listen could forgive but apparently you if you yeah. apparently anything you've been so sure I'm about investments of oh, the Hello, hello guys. My name is Lucy Long. I'm 29 years old and I love to preach. 
Um, you're listening. This is. Uh, shall I make you? Okay, this is going to be a jingle that I'm going to make. But the, what I don't like is the internet. Listen to this, because people on the internet are psychos, right? And they'll hear this and they'll bloody keep it, and then they'll use it to like animate a picture of me being a fat idiot or something. Yeah, there's like about three people on the internet who hate me. Okay, oh, well, on, more than three. Isn't it? Okay, we should just stay here all afternoon. Good, yeah. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> Uh, that was that's a mistake. Hello, welcome to this. It's good, right? That's a jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Wonderbar Radio. Hello, that's another one. Okay. You can keep that one. So the third one is Culture Lab. Culture Lab. Culture Lab. This is Culture Lab. <laughs> there you go. I've done you three now. That's okay. got, I've got to pay me for that. I'm very good. <gasps> Welcome to Wonderbar Radio. This is your host. Complete. Complete blank. Wonderbar Radio broadcasting from Culture Lab for the whole week of the festival. That's good. <laughs> Welcome to Wonderbar Radio. Wonderbar. Wonderbar Radio. That's good, right? We're done now, yeah? We've done them, right? We did it, yeah? I'm Josie Long. I'm Ellie Harrison. You're listening to Wonderbar Radio.